There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show. Questions from the audience from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan. Ladies and gentlemen, alongside the great Gangster Pete. What's up, Gangster Pete? What's up? Well, uh, the people have questions is what they have. I keep asking for stories and or opinions. We've gotten some here and there, but still it's for the most part questions. And um, we have a lot of them. Actually, so I like seeing that where we're loaded for bear. I will just go in uh, most recently received order in my email inbox in the QFTA file, and uh, and we shall uh, we shall attack from there. Uh, the HomeLoanExpert.com is our studio sponsor here. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Our guest sponsor, Doug Armstrong, our most recent guest, presented by Evergreen Wealth Strategies. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Uh, 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net and Design Air Heating and Cooling, our sponsors of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. And Design Air and Seth Goldcamp are coming to the podcast studio to tend to the lack of ventilation. Now, you, Gangster Pete, are in the studio. I am in my home. You can look in the studio right now. TheHomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, I just refinanced with him. Go to TheHomeLoanExpert.com. And you can look around and tell me what the vent situation is. The cat was theorizing that there aren't vents. I thought I saw at least one vent, but it just isn't necessarily functioning optimally. <laughs> but I can't see right now. So there, what there's do the you vent see? right above my head. So uh, yeah, it's do you there. ever feel like air coming down on you when you're no you're never? It just gets stagnant and hot. Yeah, we had four guys in there yesterday as we were uh, recording a podcast. Hot guys. Four hot guys. I'm glad you said it. I didn't want to be self-indulgent, but I agree. Four hot guys and and uh, a couple of them who were not regulars in the podcast studio were, were at a point where they were really <laughs> suffocating. You and I, were trained for this. We live on the equator. But uh, for a couple of our friends who were in, they were grinding. <laughs> yes. I, I'm just I picked up on that. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> got to the point where one opened the door, then began to use it as a fan. <laughs> And it's not like the door is light. That is a thick door uh, for soundproofing. So uh, Seth Goldcamp and his staff, I believe, are going to fix that. And they're going to also try to tend to the uh, the main studio, which Jim Hewer uh, of KFNS said uh, also was having some semblance of issues. And, and you pointed out that the Plowhawk does have a heater on every morning. When <laughs> there's there's when a couple. Coming into the studio. So hopefully Seth and Design Air can figure it out. They figure out everything else. They're online at designairservice.com. I mentioned Ryan Kelly, our studio sponsor. Uh, and uh, I refinanced with him last month. So happy that I did. First off, didn't have a payment for May 1st. That was the bee's knees. But secondly, my payment now is approximately 20% less than what it was before I refinanced. And on top of that, most importantly, next to the money, how easy it was, especially at a time now where some people may be hesitant to go out and see people or go out and fill out a bunch of paperwork and exchange pens and the whole thing. This was so simple. I think uh, deep down, one of the things I was like, oh, I want to refinance, but it's such a pain because it had been in the past. Ryan has his staff and his business firing on all cylinders. 
and it is just done like with perfection. It was so easy. It was so easy. Uh, if you do it, email me and tell me that it wasn't easy. I dare you, email me and tell me it wasn't easy. It was so easy. It was e-signing, and then my wife and I went and uh, signed the documents in 12 minutes and out. TheHomeLoanExpert.com, plus we saved a bunch of money. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. He is gaining popularity because people are going to him, and you hear him on the Ryan Kelly morning after. You've heard him talk here on our podcast as well. He is online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. To be able to talk to somebody who, first off, I think just in his nature is is selfless um, and really comes at things from an empathetic perspective in the sense that he's trying to understand people's situations and then give them the best plan, that is huge. To be able to know that you can lean on somebody, I just think psychologically that is a, that's a great positive. Uh, so you can experience that for yourself by calling 314-889-0503 or going online at evergreenstl.com. But also, speaking of the psychology of it, just making the phone call and beginning the process, you will feel like you're taking control of your situation that might give you anxiety when you think, oh man, you know, I'm approaching 30 or I'm approaching 40 or I'm approaching 50 and I know that I'm not where I need to be. But I, at the same time, I'm so scared to find out how off I am that I just don't want to make a call. Well, just by making the call and hearing the easy steps that you can take to get yourself going in the right direction, I think that puts you in a good mind space. So I know for me, it was a real positive. And now tracking my numbers, and I just I feel like, listen, even if the numbers aren't great, I feel like that uh, I, I have an idea of where I am. And that that's a big win right there. Uh, so make that phone call to Mark. You'll be happy you did. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. And James Carlton, the original sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show, uh, coming up to me at Kirkwood Brewhouse, uh, gosh, approaching three years ago now and saying he wanted to be on board with the podcast. And I'm glad he did because now he's my insurance agent as well as a sponsor of this podcast. He's online at carltoninsurance.net. My wife and I made the switch to James Carlton and his staff in Webster Groves because we were so impressed with their customer service. And now so many of you have done so as well. And I bet a number of you could check in with people who have made the switch and go, okay, really, you know, I hear Tim doing this. But it's like when people go, do you really eat metabolic meals? Friends of mine think that I'm just, I'm, I'm disappointed in them, actually, that they think that I would just talk about doing something uh, just for the sake of, uh, of an advertiser. It's just not the way I operate. Not, and I don't know how many people operate that way. I know I don't, um, because what if, like, the product or the person is no good, and, you know, here I am endorsing it. Well, I, I eat metabolic meals. It's been 10 years, as a matter of fact, I've been eating metabolic meals, mymetabolicmeals.com, and James Carlton is indeed my insurance agent. And it came at a time where I was making some switches with regard to who is handling my business. And I also thought, God, I know this is going to be a pain to switch from my old insurance agent to my new one, but I, I have my responsibilities to my wife and my son, and I know that James is the best, so we're going to do it. And we did. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton. State Farm. All right, Gangster Pete, I said I was just going to go in order. Some of these I haven't even opened because they've been coming in so fast. I haven't had a chance to read them. So away we go. Hey, Tim, love listening to QFTA. Thank you for doing this. Political question, not meant to get banty. 
Why do you think we're going through what we went through four years ago again? Okay, Gangster Pete, I need you to help me with that. I think that Why? I think that he's talking about the Democrats not having a good candidate to run against Donald. Huh. Okay. Um, I don't. I'm anxious to hear where this goes because I don't know where it's going. How is it that we seem to have two candidates? Yes, yeah, that's what I thought. We two candidates. Many would view as less than ideal. I get the Republicans have to go with Trump, but why couldn't the Democrats come up with a better de- a candidate than Biden? It could be propaganda, but he legitimately seems like he's, quote, not with it or not all there. Do you think he will remain the candidate? I have always voted Republican, but I would certainly vote Democrat this time around if it were a guy like Mark Cuban or someone similar. Thanks again. That comes from Juan Acevedo. Juan Acevedo, a guy I covered in 1998 with the Cardinals. Uh, I think he started some, Pete. I think he closed some. And now he's a uh, a person who's active in our podcast. Who would have ever thought? Uh, Juan Acevedo, the nom de plume of of an emailer here. Uh, So I guess he was going with the two-candidate thing. Uh, Gangster Pete, I'll yield the floor to you. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I ask myself the same question all the time. Uh, I get Trump's going to be the Republican candidate, but it's really surprising to me that the Democrats have had four years to come up with something to run against him that could probably win easily, and they haven't. Like, it just blows my mind that they're going to run Biden at the moment. Um, I agree with everything you said, in a, like in 100%, uh, up until that blows my mind they're going to run Biden. And it's, let me make this clear. It's not because I'm like, he's the greatest candidate. It's I got how they got to Biden. Uh, and I think you're probably saying the same thing. I don't think you're going, he's the great, I'm not saying he's the greatest candidate. You're not saying he's the greatest candidate. But when the landscape arrived at where the landscape arrived in the first or second week of March, um, I saw what the situation was, which was it's either Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. And people would say, well, what about Pete Buttigieg or what about Amy Klobuchar? And the reality was at the time that they had incredibly low support among minorities, in particular the African-American community. And that was when they coalesced after the uh, South Carolina primary and decided they were going to throw all their support behind Biden because they did not want Bernie Sanders to be the nominee. And you can say that's also repeating history in some capacity uh, with regard to 2016. But specific to the candidates, as you said, Pete, I agree with um, the Republicans and the Trump situation. I, I get that. So let's let's talk. While I'm not somebody who would be a supporter, I, I get it. I also get how Hillary Clinton arrived in 2016, even though I was not a fan. Um, so with regard to the Democrats seemingly having um, a, an incredible opportunity to defeat an incumbent Republican, um, because of the incumbent Republican himself, more so than the circumstances the last time Democrats defeated an incumbent Republican, which would have been 92 with Clinton over George H.W. Bush, uh, which was more economic downturn, and whoever was in the White House was going to be on the receiving end of that, uh, because he had an incredibly high approval rating during the uh, first Iraq war, and uh, you know, less than two years later he was out of office. So with that all said... Um, I, I really do wonder as well. And I don't know, 
and, and this is straight theory here because it's not like I, I know the answer. Straight theory is some people just did not want to expose themselves to going up against him. And not just because of him, but because of the sycophantic nature of um, the, you know, if, if 35% of the country would be considered to be, no matter what, supporters of Donald Trump, and that's the number that, um, that, you, uh, that I read anyway is always there, and then the approval rating will hover around at, at its floor, the high 30s, at its ceiling, 51%. That's been the range during his presidency. Um, but 35% will be with him no matter what. Uh, how banty that can be, and you may not want to expose yourself or your family to that, um, and or the messaging that will come out in the campaign, although you could say that about any campaign. I, perhaps they wonder if that one's going to be worse. They saw uh, the way things played out for take your pick of whatever Republican candidate in 2016 and Hillary Clinton in November 2016. I wonder about that. In other words, somebody who would be considered a great Democratic candidate uh, stayed away because they didn't want to deal with it. Although, with that said, I don't know who that person would be. Now that's, and that doesn't mean that they don't exist. Let me be clear. I just don't know who that person would be where people were saying in 2018, man, I really hope he or she runs for president. Is there anybody that comes to mind for you, Gangster Pete? No, but I think that's a really good point. If you are that person, you probably think, I just wait out this next four years and I don't have to deal with campaigning against that thing. Yeah, well, and, and what comes with it. That's, right. That's, and and, and I, so I wonder about it, but at the same time, as I say that, I don't know who. It's not like there were only like five people running. There were so many they couldn't fit them on one night in a debate stage. So I don't know who they would be. Um, you know, having watched the debates, and I don't want to portray it like I watched every moment of them, but I certainly watched them, I would agree with Joe Biden not being an impressive debater. I also would agree with what uh, Juan Acevedo said when he said uh, it could be propaganda, but he legitimately seems like he's not with it. And it is. I believe that it is. Now, which I realize as I'm saying that some people are like, what? Because it's become one of those things that it's said so often it becomes truth. My analogy for that in local St. Louis sports talk radio is all I do is talk about porn and all Frank Cusimano does is talk about high school basketball. Both are just false, (laughs) but they become narratives and they're said so often that they become real. Uh, And and it's just like, yeah, I'm comfortable talking about porn. I believe Frank is comfortable talking about high school basketball, but it's not all that either one of us talk about. And now it's become this thing that it's said so over and over that Joe Biden's not with it. All the while, you sit there and go, okay, if he's not with it, what about the guy who's in the White House? I mean, are we, are we like, <laughs> I mean, standing next to Donald Trump, how can you possibly, then they're both out of it. So I don't, but, but, but with that said, he's, from my standpoint, not the optimal candidate. And I am surprised that considering, I think, the urgency felt uh, not just amongst Democrats, but amongst some independents to not have Donald Trump have a second term, that this is the person who wound up getting the nomination. Not necessarily the best candidate. I'm careful with, with, with those, that description. So I am. My answer is I am, I am surprised. Um, I, I, uh, I, and, and this is somewhat related to the discussion. I really wish... And it's, it's wishing isn't the right word, but I think it would be much better for the world, not just the country, but the world if COVID-19 had hit um, in 2021. Because I think 
one of the reasons why I'm just like, and, and we had it happen today on the show, Pete. I'm sure you were like, wow, yeah. you let it happen. <laughs> so for those of you not familiar with what I'm talking about, and I don't even know how we got into it, actually. But then once it happened, I'm like, oh, shit, I did it. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I had left Pandora's box alone for like more than a month, and, and I opened it. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, it's, the reason is, is it's just truthfully, it's at the forefront of my mind, not because of, um, you know, major league baseball coming back or because of, um, you know, the, the reasons that I think it's at everybody at the forefront of everybody's mind, but it is truly playing a role in, in, you know, substantial business analysis. There's, there's, there's no way around it. I mean, it, it is everything, um, for, for what we are looking at right now. And, um, you know, and, and, and so when you're looking for data on it and now it goes from you don't know who's telling the truth to now you don't know what the data if the data is real. And I think so much of that, the, the, the politicization of this topic revolves around November 2020. Now, as I said on the radio show and I and I talk like I assume everybody listened to every word of that segment, which was probably only 25 minutes, although it felt like a couple of weeks um, and then every word of this podcast, which I know is not the case. But this is my premise, whether I like Donald Trump or don't like Donald Trump or whether I like Joe Biden or don't like uh, Joe Biden or or any of that for me. And I think I, I think a number of people would be in this camp. I think, but maybe I'm maybe I'm too idealistic and naive. I don't know. I if 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 this can all go away, and there is a vaccine, and Donald Trump takes credit for it, which he'll do anyway, and Donald <laughs> Trump takes credit for it, and and it goes away, and we can get back to a semblance of what we thought the world was like in January of 2020, or, or my God, May of 2019. I'll make that trade all day if that means Donald Trump has a second term. I will. And you might say, well, that's selfish. I don't know what to tell you. That's where I am. And it's not, it's not even like a, that's not even like a sweat for me. <laughs> and this is somebody who, you know, would not be considered a, 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 a fan of, of Donald Trump's. But as far as people dying and the economy collapsing and, you know, sometimes I'll feel good about where things are going. And, and possibly it's because I just didn't read for a couple of days. And then I'll watch my Sunday morning shows and I'm like, oh, my fucking God, we're we're all doomed. And, and this isn't just meet the press. This is Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace. So, you know, I mean, it, it, so I don't I, what do you think on that, Pete? Because I, I, I said that on the show today and I knew right when I said it, because when I ask a question like that, I already know what's going to happen. And I was catching myself as I was asking it, going, fuck, you know, better. But. Right. It's just so hard to know what data to believe. Well, well, I'm not asking that question. Here's what I'm asking. I, I recognize that there, there, no matter what, there is a healthy percentage of people who just worship at the altar of Donald Trump, um, who want whatever he says to be true because they don't want to, and they won't ever admit that they were wrong on him. And, and I guess maybe in their minds they're right. I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. And on the other side of it, there are some people who are so fueled by their hatred of him that they're willing to see our country collapse and lives be lost so as to say see he fucked this up and he can't be reelected and i i know that that exists but man i just and again this is where i'm talking about my potential idealism and naivete 
and that I just don't think that that's a large portion of the population, the American population. What do you think? That's what I'm asking. You don't think it's a large population that worships at his feet or no, I don't. I, 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 when I'm saying that there are that there are I think we both agree. So I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I'll ask, do you agree that there are people who want to see this thing be an absolute disaster so that they can blame it on him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course. And, then, and he, then do you agree that there are people who, you know, spin whatever thing that comes out of his mouth? you know, as, as being truthful, even though, yeah, I know, I I personally know people on both sides of that spectrum. Okay. So with that said, I, I, I know where I am. I'm not a fan of his. It's like, I'm not even like sweating as to whether or not like in 20 years I'll go, yeah, I voted for Hillary Clinton. You know I mean? I'm just like, yeah, I'll be proud to say that even though in 2014, I'm like, there's no way in the world I would ever vote for Hillary Clinton. I just can't imagine a scenario. And then, holy shit, we actually had the scenario. So it's not like I'm like, yes, I'm proud of the Hillary Clinton vote so much as I'm glad that I didn't vote for him. It's, it, that's not even a sweat. That'll, I can't imagine that time will ever come where I'm like, wow, I really <laughs> fucked that up. I mean, it's like, it's like, like a tap and putt. It's so obvious to me. But at the same time, I have friends and probably family members who don't see it that way. Whatever. That's my point, though. I'm not a fan of his to that extreme. There's no, there's no political candidate in my life who even comes close as far as a, as a second place. I don't even know. I don't even, I don't even know who it would be. Local or, or White House, take your pick. It doesn't matter. It's like the, the most obvious one. I mean, I, I, I thought that way of Greitens, but I didn't vote for him. Um, and he's, he's no longer around, although I see he's got a website going again, so he's getting ready to do something. But I'm talking about this. I want the thing to go away. If the president takes credit for it, parentheses, which he will no matter what anyway, fine. I, 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 that's, and if, if the trade-off is he gets reelected, fine. I, just, I, I, I want people to be healthy, and I want our country and our economy to be healthy. And if that means Donald Trump's reelected, then fine. That's where I am. And I think... Most people would agree with that trade-off, but maybe I'm off the mark on that. That's that's the question. I'm yeah, I don't I don't give a shit who gets credit for it. I just want it to take care of it. Like I don't. To me, it's not a political thing at all. I just I want everybody to work together to solve the problem. That's that's where I'm at. And I just I just I don't know. I you know like Doug is obviously certain that. You know, like with the, the thing that got the thing going where I'm just like, oh, fuck, I did this. I, <laughs> I like wanted to write an apology, a handwritten apology to every listener. Like I did this. I allowed it to happen. But that the Democratic governors are shutting down their states for the purpose of, you know, but the way it also works oftentimes is the highly populated, you know, density states, um, you know, New York, California, as examples, um, you know, have Democratic governors. So, but I mean, at the same time, you can say, well, what about Texas? Yeah, Texas has Houston and Dallas. That's also a wide, you know, Republican state. But either way, conspiracy theory aside, that's where I am. And it's, it's not even like a sweat. And by when I say it's not even a sweat, I mean, it's not even something I like think twice about. Like, God, I wonder, I mean, wouldn't it be better? No, no, it's just, just a no. And I want to make it clear, again, it's not like I'm a fan of his or I go, oh, you know what, maybe I'll vote for it. I won't. There's just there's, there's not a circumstance that I will. But I'll be fine with him being the president. It just doesn't, my world, my axis does not revolve around his presidency and or being able to spike the football regarding whatever bubble-selected facts I want to choose to argue with some somebody on social media I don't know. It's just not where I am. 
And I also don't think that's where most people are. I think that's because if you observe that, you think that's a large sample size of the world or the American population, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. So the initial question being, how did we get here, as the, as the emailer Juan Acevedo points out, yes, of course, the Republicans are going to run President Trump. That, that, that goes without saying. The Republican Party has become Donald Trump's party. So then what is, what is the response on the Democrats? I have no idea on how no one was better than Joe Biden <laughs> unless one would say this. And I'm not sure because as more time played out, I wasn't as big of a fan. And I, wanna, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I thought poorly of him. I just started to wonder more about my initial um, support for him. And that's Pete Buttigieg. But as it turned out, Pete Buttigieg was not going to win the nomination. And so the Democratic Party had a decision to make. And the decision to make was, well, do we go, we're going we're gonna to form an alliance with Joe Biden, or do we let Bernie Sanders win the nomination? And I think that essentially is what became the choice. Um, now, you can then go, well, how did you not have a better choice than the mayor of South Bend, Indiana? That's a fair question. I'm with you on that. I don't have a great answer to it. I'm, I'm, I'll say this with you, Juan Acevedo, who I'm uh, quite confident, uh, as you said, I've always voted Republican and acknowledges, though, that would, would vote Democrat. I, I'm, I'm stunned by it. I really am stunned by it. I thought this would be a prime opportunity for an up-and-comer to, um, you know, win the White House for the Democratic Party. And, you know, it, would, it wouldn't have been easy, I don't think. I've, I've, always, I've operated on the premise ever since November 16. It's not just going to be a one-term presidency. Um, and no matter what, whether it be November 2020 or um, whatever would happen in 2024, this is not going to go away. This whole, you know, this is, this is, this is, there's going to be a legacy here. This is not going to go away. Um, and I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I worry that the, remember Pete, we were talking and it had to be when I was in Florida because I can always picture when I say these things and I can picture being in Florida saying it where I was doing the podcast and saying, I think November 2020 is going to be historical. So, I mean, that means I had to have been saying that in either February or March of 2020. And yet there we were on, you know, the doorstep of something that wound right. up being historical, you know, and is still. It's not like we can speak about it in past tense. But because of what's going on right now, it makes me even more certain that November 2020 is going to be historical. I, and, and, I, and I don't know in what way. And I'm not talking about like an upset or something like that, because I don't know. I mean, Donald Trump's not like a huge favorite to win. I realize if you're in a bubble, you might think it's a certainty he's going to win. And if you're in another bubble, you think it's a certainty he's going to lose. But, you know, the odds are not uh, laid out that way. I think he's minus 120 and Biden's plus 130. But uh, that no matter what, Trump loses. Okay, it was because of the pandemic. Trump wins. Oh, it was because people weren't allowed to vote. Take your pick. Whatever it is, it's just going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be brutal. So going back to why I'm paying such close attention to the Georgia numbers and then finding out the data was wrong and going, oh, my God, um, you know, with with what I'm trying to figure out with regard to business decisions, uh, it's it, it's it just makes you bang your head against the wall. And, and it doesn't matter who you're talking to, even if you're talking to people who aren't like people who live like in Facebook bubbles or Twitter bubbles, 
You're talking to medical professionals. It's not like they know either. You're talking to multimillionaire investors. It's not like they know either. It's just something else. It, you know, you have these moments where you just stare into the abyss and go, shit, you know, you're just, you're just essential. It's like that scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where he has to just take a blind step off the cliff and hope that there actually is something he's going to walk on. And that's, that's where it is. But is that the way to make policy decisions? Is that the way, the way to make business decisions? That's, that's the core issue. I know that wasn't the question, Juan Acevedo, but that's why it's at the forefront of my mind. That's why, you know, and I want to talk about it on the radio. I really do. But, I mean, hell, we were talking about, like, baseball, I think. Yeah. And that's how we got on. That's what it was? Was that yeah. what it was? We were talking okay. about the MLB coming back and then. Yeah. And, and, and it still got there. And I'm just like, I can't. You know, I can't do it. And, I, and, that's the, and that's the toughest thing right now. I say it every fucking week now in QFTA, but this is kind of like, this is like my real world confessional um, where I'm just like, I, I st- like today, man, I was, I was about to start the show and go, I got nothing today, guys. I got <laughs> fucking nothing. You know, I got nothing. I have nothing. I actually, I have a bunch, but I can't say it. And that sucks. And then it makes it even more torturous because <laughs> I want to talk about some things, yeah. but I can't, you know. And I'm still not necessarily even doing it here. I'm just kind of giving some background into it. Uh, all right, enough about that. Next question. Let's see what we got here. Hey, Tim, I'm sure you already have some questions on this or maybe we're planning on discussing, but if you listen to Portnoy's podcast on Call Her Daddy, what are your thoughts? I understand the women wanted to renegotiate with it blowing up so quickly. However, Barstool alleges they were happy to renegotiate. Additionally, everyone knows you can't get out of a contract without handing over New bathrooms. Thanks, Sultan of Duck Butter. Nice old school reference to the cat and his contract in 2007 with Jason Barrett. Um, so, yeah, we did talk about it on TMA. Pete, did you listen to Portnoy for uh, 30 minutes? On yeah, I, was, I, I listened to did. it okay. a couple days ago. So I, uh, I listened to it yesterday afternoon. We talked about it. You sent that link for the New York Post article, and we read it on TMA, and we're recording on Tuesday, May 19th, uh, 2020. Um, I loved what he did and I guess you know like the 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 you know the videos and the you know social media thing with the uh you know the suit you know Peter Nelson HBO and, and that and, and you know what got into attacks on him that personally isn't the way I would have handled it but at the same time I mean that's that's his thing and you know I get that it is incredibly successful and that's a hell of a lot more titillating to that audience than me just going, well, here is what wound up happening. We offered this, and then they said this, but they were under contract. But what I loved about it was, as somebody who has been on the receiving end of that stuff and has also internally, um, going back to, shit, I don't know, 2013 and 14, said aloud in conference rooms, why don't we just talk about the numbers? Why don't we just post the numbers for each show? And I'm not talking about ratings. I'm talking about dollars for each show. And it would everybody would shut up. Everybody would shut up. There'd be nothing else to say. It would be embarrassing for some people, but there'd be nothing else to say. And I, and I honestly, as I was hearing him say that yesterday, especially like the first 20 minutes of it, we're just like he was recounting things. It wasn't like he, he made reference to uh, Sophia of the, of, the, um, of the Call Her Daddy uh, twosome. You know, her attorney was saying, you know, we're going to sue you if you talk about this for defamation. Well, he didn't defame her. He just said what what transpired. Now, if he said something that was inaccurate and then it hurt her reputation and they can prove malice, then they have a slander suit. I doubt he did that. I also 
um, related to him saying, you can, you can fucking hate me uh, because I'm an asshole, but I think you would agree that I tell you the truth. I feel like I've said that on this podcast a, a billion times myself. I know how many people fucking hate me. I think more people in TMA's audience hate me than like me. But I also think they know that I'm giving, you know, here's what happened. Because I'm not going to risk, you know, what we've built by just making something up. So as he's saying that, I believe him 100%. In addition, I love the fact that he talked about it. And I think it's healthy. I actually think it's healthy. I guess the thing, if you want to play devil's advocate on it, is you're talking about people's salaries, and I don't know what their agreement says with regarding that in public. Uh, Just like if I start talking, because it's like we've had it happen, you know, multiple times, where we, we make a change with a show. I can tell you this, every time the show is underperforming its revenue projections, I don't want to tell you on it. So, I mean, that's it. It's not personal. These are fucking numbers. I could hate somebody. And if the, if the show or the person was bringing in a substantial amount of revenue and therefore profitable, I, I, it doesn't matter. I just, it, it doesn't matter. As long as the person's not like making shit up on the radio or a podcast, it doesn't matter. That's business. But every time, not every time, because the way Bernie Mick was handled his thing at 101 was, from my standpoint, like an A+. Plus. Class was, act. You, you, you saw that, Gangster? Yeah, movie? I read that. That was great. And I, and, I, and I said this on the radio, and I'll say it here again, because I know not everybody listens to both things. I talked to Bernie, talked to him for like 90 minutes. We exchanged a bunch of texts, and then we wound up getting on the phone for like 90 minutes. And what he said in the newspaper is exactly what he said to me privately. Actually, I would say he was probably more... Um, I don't know what the right word would be, uh, empathetic, I guess, uh, toward the people at 101. Uh, not that he wasn't in the article with uh, in the Post-Dispatch. But, I mean, he, there really wasn't like, he wasn't like, you know, playing one role in the p- paper and then playing another one behind the scenes. It's really how he felt. But most of the time when somebody gets whacked, and I think this is across the, the board in media, um, certainly sports media, you know, because they, no matter what, even if the show has, like, n- very few fans, they still have few fans, so there are some people, what the hell happened? I love your show. What the fuck? Fuck them. <laughs> it's like, okay, here, they had three advertisers, and we were losing our asses. So, do you love TMA? Okay, well, then we're going to have to cut three people from TMA so we can keep this thing going. Now what do you want to have? Do you wanna have this? But I also recognize that most people, as in almost everyone, don't know the numbers. And so then, if you can put the numbers out there, it explains everything. There are misnomers in St. Louis regarding people and or shows that generate revenue. Monster misnomers. So that's at the core. And it's, I guess it's a great thing. If, but the, the problem is most people who are at the very least responsible about it are going to dig into this to confirm that these numbers are accurate. And then you get in there and you go, oh, shit. You know? So that's that's it. It's always it's always it's it's like a batting average or a, a WAR or an ERA. Take your pick of whatever statistic. There are statistics. The statistics in this case, just like any almost any other business, are dollars. It's not like a radio station owner or a radio station corporation is going, "Wow, we don't like that show" or "We don't like that person." Does that stuff happen? I'm certain that it does. But for most business people, it's not the way that they operate. And so I loved, I was like, oh, my God, this is great because I've wanted to do this for seven years, <laughs> you know, where I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, because I know because I mean, some of the, uh, just, you know, just no, nobody's buying your fucking show. I look, I see the, nobody's listening. 
Nobody's buying it. You might have a vocal amount of people talking about they like. It's great, but it, it listen. And, and, and by the way, this is not like this. This is this is multiple times. It's always about dollars, and also multiple times. I like the people. It's not a case of not liking them. It's just being on the other side of it. Being, I suppose, in Portnoy's spot, obviously on a you know one millionth uh, or one hundred millionth of a percentage, having been in that spot where you have people trying to manipulate a discussion. Um, I loved the fact that he went out there and said, okay, here's exactly what happened. Here are the numbers. Here are the numbers of the dollars we're losing. Here is what we offered them. Here is the truth. Don't know what to tell you. And if you still think I'm an asshole, fine. You think I'm an asshole, but at least now you, our audience, you know the truth. And I loved that. I loved it. I really did. I really loved it. But then it says something about our situation or my situation or whatever situation that I wanted to talk about how much I love it and post it on a page that's supposedly a fan page of our show and know that if I post about it, people will motherfuck me or, or latently do it on other pages. And I'm just like, I'm not going to talk. I'll talk about it on the radio show, but I'm not going to talk about it on the fan page. But I loved, I loved what, uh, what he said. Gangster Pete, what do you think? Yeah, I thought it was great. I was about to hit the sack, and it popped up. I got a notification that it was there. I listened to the whole thing before I went to bed. I thought the way he outlined it was awesome. I mean, I couldn't believe that those girls were making a half million dollars after six months of doing that show. So I want to be clear on that. I thought they offered him a half million. Uh, I thought that's what the offer was. No, they they gave him a raise six months in. Cooper went to him. And she got like five oh six and Alexandra Cooper and Sophia the blonde uh, who yep. started the thing. Yeah, and then Sophia got like four hundred sixty one thousand. Like now after I, six I, months. So I went to, and I, and listen, I want to make this clear. This is probably a no win thing, but you know, if you're living in New York City, that's approximately one hundred fifty in St. Louis. Um, if you're living in Manhattan. And I believe that's what their roommates in Manhattan, or at least they yeah, were. Yeah, they shared so, a tiny little apartment, but I, right. I understand the prices. I know you do, but I mean, just for the purpose of the – because, I mean, listen, you're making a half million dollars in St. Louis. I mean, you know, the, do the math there. It's like making 1.5 in, in New York. So with that all said, it's it, – listen, it's a lot of money, but, you know, it's not dollar to dollar, you know, New York-St. Louis dollars because people are just like, how the fuck, you know. But – so I understand. So if you have this thing that is blown up globally, you might feel like, well, we're underpaid. Now, what people say, including the Sultan of Duck Butter here with the, uh, <laughs> the contract situation, you have a contract, you have a contract. But, as Portnoy pointed out, they're open to renegotiating. Good for them. I think that's a, I think that's a smart stance. If you got something successful, well, then let's build on it. Let's make sure our employee's happy as opposed to just like the Scottie Pippen situation where it's like, well, you signed the contract. Let's see if we can... You know, make I, you happier and then also benefit ourselves. I thought that part was really interesting because I think a lot of people would just assume Portnoy would be like, F you, yeah, we've fuck got you. a you contract. Sound, you signed for 75 grand. And he's like, no, I mean, let's let's make this so everybody's happy and then we're all getting a piece of the pie. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't. I, th- I thought that perhaps that was the most eye opening part of it. I think also hearing that there is a show and they're making 75 grand, it kind of gives you an idea. And again, do the math. That's 25 St. Louis dollars. Um, or 37.5 if you want to operate off that premise, but I would say it's closer to 25. Either way, it gives you an idea, and you cannot live in New York City on that unless you're living with like 10 people. So with that all said, um, I, I, I mean, just I really appreciated it. I really appreciated it. Um, I also appreciate what those uh, two ladies have done. You know, I mean, they're sponsored by, who are they sponsored by? Is it Roman? Is that yeah. the presenting sponsor? 
I mean, I think it's so, you know, and I get it. And I get, and again, anytime we talk about this stuff on the podcast regarding TMA, I, it's not a case of, man, I don't get it. I totally get why Doug and the cat have to, like, you know, have the plausible deniability, you know, act appalled when we, when you want to, I read one of your links, Pete. Totally understand. <laughs> um, I also think, though, in, like, real life so to speak that's not something that they would like be like if we were sitting at a bar they'd be like discussing you know either whereas i i do and i th- i i love the fact that that show while i personally the handful of episodes i listened to was confused by its popularity outside of the fact that it was i guess it, it just got down to something as primal as two attractive women talking about sex openly I just didn't find, I didn't think, I, th- I thought it could be done better, I suppose. <laughs> I guess I wanted more from what I thought it was going to be. Like, if you walk into any sorority house in Mizzou, I bet you, like, three quarters of the girls listen to it. Yes, that's my understanding, as a matter of fact. But I just didn't think it was, I just, but either way, the, that's not the point, whether I liked it or not. I, and it's not, I didn't like it because I'm like, oh, that offends me. I, I couldn't possibly offend me. It had nothing to do with that shit. I just didn't think it was that great. I didn't think it was that entertaining, you know? But again, I'm I'm a deviant, so it's it's you know, so what I what I'm saying is this, this is my point. I love that that shit is mainstream, and by mainstream, I'm not talking about now it's going to pop up on NBC in prime time because that shit's also kind of outdated. Who cares? I mean, who's access? I mean, that's I guess for older people or people just haven't figured out Netflix or something yet. I don't know, but that that you can get large advertising on that. Because, you know, because, I mean, when we first started the morning grind, it didn't happen often. I think we do have a question about that coming up, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, I do remember one time they were like going to whack the cat over it. I think the, I think it's just everything's for the last 16 years has been let's find a way to whack the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's our there's a swoops picks waiting to happen. But there was some advertiser. Uh, there, there's the famous tickling story where they really if they were if they're going to whack anybody, they should have been whacking me. Uh, because I was the one laughing during the spot, but I, you know, what I thought was obvious, I said, stop tickling me, the cat, because I couldn't get through the copy because it was so (laughs) absurd. And then they call us into the office and they blame the cat for tickling me and wanted to terminate him because of it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I understand. First off, it was a joke. And secondly, I'm the motherfucker who was laughing, not him. And I was the one doing the spot. But either way, there was some advertiser and I don't even remember what it was. It was, I, I don't know, like a car dealer in Brentwood or something like that. I don't know. This is a long time. This is like 15 years ago. And they're like, so-and-so's canceling because of, like, the would you question or something in the exit poll where we would, you know, give, like, somebody and say, would you? You know, just really highbrow shit. And and I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I mean, what do you guys have to say for yourself? Well, it's what we've been doing for the last 18 months. I mean, were they alarmed by that? I mean, that's what we do. So don't know what to tell you. I mean, that's what we do. It's like if somebody starts advertising on this podcast and they go, I heard Tim say fuck. Well, Tim's been saying fuck since October 2017. That's what Tim does. So I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I love the fact that companies are getting comfortable going, yeah, you know what? I, I realize there's that sect of people, probably 35%, who find this shit to be just appalling and they have to condemn it for whatever reason and whatever. Fine. Okay, they can they cannot listen to it. That's great. But 65% of the country's comfortable with it. People fuck. Most of the time they enjoy it, assuming they're not with me. And, 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 and we'll sponsor it. And, and that's healthy. And I love that. While I didn't enjoy the show, I loved seeing when I was researching, you know, talking about this thing, uh, that they were presented by Roman. You know, and I realized Roman might not be considered a mainstream advertiser, but they have dollars, man. And so I loved that. And I loved what Portnoy did. 
big fan. And, you know, it's not that I'm a, a barstool lemming or anything along those lines. Um, just, you know, if I like something, I like it. If I don't, I don't. But I loved what he did with with talking about it. And it makes me think, okay, you know, maybe that's the route that we're going to go. And I'm not talking about, like, posting this on social media. Here's the ad revenue for TMA. Here's the ad revenue for this show. Here's the ad. That's not what I'm talking about. But internally, okay, holy shit. Our show is the last place show as far as performance when it comes to revenue. You know, we better pick it up. And that'll be the reason. And then when you want to go and motherfuck me in the newspaper on social media, I'll just pop up and say, well, you know, here, here are the numbers. Thoughts? You know, because that, that's it. That's it. That's all it comes down to. I don't know what else to tell you. That's the game. It's the game for every fucking show. That's the, and I, I feel like it's obvious, but for whatever reason, anytime anybody loses their job in radio, or I guess podcasting now, they go, oh, we were fucked. <laughs> no, you didn't perform, man. You know, Ty Wigginton didn't go, man, I got fucked when they released me and I was hitting a buck 25. He was hitting a buck 25. It's the way the game works. Uh, what do we got next? Um, Tim, I am a very excited first-time fan page club championship invitee. I know it's slightly different every year. Do we bring a cat? Wow, this is just like a quickie. <laughs> this, is, this, is like a, this is like a news and notes email. Do we bring a caddy for me, a fellow <laughs> fan pinner that wants to drink and experience the tourney? Who are you afraid of this year? Who are you hoping to see in the first round? How are you liking the switch up to Gateway? Thanks. That's Dogtown Tie. Gangster Pete, this is your first time participating. Am I correct? Yeah, this is my, this is my first go. You are a dangerous iron player. You are a dangerous iron player, and it speaks to what my current. Uh, I was talking. Well, you were in. The, you were in. The, I don't know if I can talk about. It. I won't talk about it. Well, you were present for a conversation yesterday with someone. Yes, yeah, talking about compressing the ball. Compressing the golf ball, and I was saying I only hit my pitching wedge like a buck, maybe buck twenty. I guess I don't know. That'd be like if the Hawks with me, but maybe a one fifteen, one twenty, which. Is when for how far I hit my driver doesn't make sense, which means I'm not compressing the ball with my irons. But, you know, I play with Michael Wellington a decent amount. He's a great golfer, friend of the show, Birdies for Bipolar, which is the charity that the Dotem benefits. And he goes, well, you absolutely compress it when you drive the ball. You hit the shit out of it with your driver, but clearly you're not doing it with your irons. And all I want to do, if the fucking weather will ever <laughs> stop raining and being cold, is put my AirPods in and get like two buckets of balls and just spend all afternoon trying to compress the golf ball with my irons. That's all I want to do. Clearly you do that because... I might hit the ball past you with my driver, but if we were both to sit there and hit like a seven iron, I think your ball would go like thirty yards further than mine. Is well, yeah, that I mean, about I, right? I can compress the ball at the irons, but I struggle with the driver. So, so I'm I the think exact it speaks opposite. to our swing patterns. So you're probably hitting down on the ball, which yeah. is why you're successful with your irons, and I hit up on the ball, which is why I'm successful with my driver. As soon as you do it once with your iron, like get that feeling, what it feels like. Uh, it's like the best feeling in the world. You can't wait yeah, to do it again. Uh, it's, I, I, and I, occasionally it's happened, and obviously it means I've blown the ball like 30 yards past the pin because, you know, I'm not expecting to do it. So it happens every now and again. I can't wait to do it because it's nuts. I mean, it'll be like somebody will be hitting a wedge, and they go, what'd you hit? And I go, seven. <laughs> I go, oh, wow, you know, getting on that HGH. So with that all said, um, I am currently – Gangster Pete, what is your uh, – I'm going to open up the Gin app. I'm at 13. 
Or do you do you have a gin or do you just like use? Yeah, I got other... a gin. Okay, so you're like literally on the nose, thirteen. Uh, it's like approaching fourteen. I am in. I had eight... it down to in the twelves earlier in the year. I've kind of lost lost it lately. I'm at an eight point six. I was hovering with my first, which I know isn't low, but uh, I was hovering last Thursday with Wellington, as a matter of fact, and his father. D. I can't Smet. remember who else was playing with us. Um, yeah, D. Smet. And I was one under through six with two birdies and a bogey and was like, holy shit, it's finally going to my goal <laughs> to shoot in the 60s. Right. This is at Westboro, which is a par 68, so we got to give proper context there because there's no way in the world I'm shooting in the 60s at Gateway. Um, and w- let's see. So I'm a course handicap 12 at Westboro. Uh, I'd be curious what how this plays like – would assume Gateway is a tougher course than as far as slope rating. I'm not talking about people's opinions. What do you think? Will we be playing the white tees? I would assume, I assume so, yeah. All right, so I'm entering this in as an 8.6. Wow, I'm a course handicap 8 at Gateway. With, with your distance, that's a huge advantage at Gateway because if you're short off the tee, you're, you're hitting some long approach shots at Gateway. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with the wind there. No matter what yeah. you're going to be dealing with the wind, you're yeah. always there, and it just depends on which way it's coming out, east or the west. But um, – Anyway, yeah, I would have thought that I would have been a higher course handicap. That's interesting. So, And then the guy I'm playing, Mark Ziprich, who uh, Iggy, Iggy calls, uh, what, Lipschitz? Lipschitz. <laughs> uh, he texted me that he's a 15-something, so I guess I'm giving him 17 pops. I have a wide delta <laughs> in my game, and I really do want to go over and play Gateway. Just First off, I just love the course. You've been playing it, right? Yeah, I've played it about three or four times. I mean, it's, it's almost like a new course right now. Is it really? They shut it down. Everything grew beautifully, and they've been maintaining it. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Oh, I got to get over. Or as I mean, Jay Junior would say, it's pure. It is pure. I mean, you and I bet you, I bet you really have to love it because you got to compress the ball there off that bent grass. Oh yeah, it's you nice. Know? So somebody like you, it's going to benefit you even more. Uh, I could be chunking. So I scoop the ball, and that's the core issue. I can't wait to get that right. I mean, it's all that I'm working on at this particular moment. Um, so I, I guess right now, as an 8.6, I'm probably playing better than that. So I'm in that good spot, whereas sometimes you're on the other side of it where you're like, oh, shit, I'm a 6, but I'm playing more like a 12. Uh, I was at that point uh, late last year. That was when my shoulder was really killing me. So I'm in a good spot right now. Um, but you know what? The Fan Page Club Championship Gangster Pete, I'm speaking to you and Dogtown Ty, who have emailed in. <laughs> There's something about... Those butterflies in your stomach when it starts getting a little tight on the back nine. I love that shit. Up. So you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I love it. It's the best. I want. I, the, lo- I, I mean, want the ball. Yeah, it's. I mean, when when you have like you have to like you in order to know how to handle it, you have to have experienced it, and so then you feel it coming, and you reckon. And then the thing the thing about it is. You're playing for – well, I guess with this, it's actually $800. Now, you have to win, like, eight matches to get the $800. So it's those are material dollars. But usually, like, in country club club championships, you're playing for, like, like 100 bucks in shop credit. I mean, you're not <laughs> playing for it, but it's, it's essentially just a way to compete. It's for guys who used to compete. I never really competed in shit past grade school. But uh, for people who actually played in high school or college, or maybe professionally, uh, to compete – it's just that's that's what it gets down to. I think when like you know people who don't play or wives of golfers go, what in the fuck is this about? <laughs> that's what it's about. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like I'm like okay, I'm going to get to the point now where I'm playing and I'm playing for money, and we're still playing like I don't even know what it is, like like scotch or you know, it's like a dollar a point. 
And I'm like, okay, we're down 40 bucks. I mean, what's the big fucking deal? It's like, it's 40 bucks. And I'm like, I know, but I mean, it's 40 bucks. But we're down 40. I know, as I get it. But I mean, in the whole scheme of things, but I think it's more of a pride thing. Like, it's like you're getting dunked on if you lose yes. 40 bucks and a dollar. That's that's essentially, it's not about the $40. Well, it's, it's like about- MJ said in uh, The Last Dance. He's played at the dollar blackjack table just because he wants to have your dollar exactly. in his pocket. Exactly, and so that's what it's that's what it's about. And so, man, if I, I'll, I'll, I'll play playing with guys, and, like, they're my partner, and we're losing, like, yeah, I guess we're going to have to Venom them eight bucks, you know. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck's going on here? I don't get it. So... I am my my ideal for a partner, playing partner, is somebody who's kind of more head in the clouds, not like, you know, like when I would play with Cletus, who I love, uh, it'd be like, come on, man, we really got to lock in. It's like, I am locked in. Like, you can say anything to me. You can tell me we don't need to lock in. I'm still going to be as locked in. You can't make me. I mean, it's. Yeah, if know, I hit a shit is, shot, that's just because I'm a shit golfer. Right, <laughs> Trust me, right. I'm, I mean, I'm I just going can't for do it. it. That's essentially what it gets down to. If I blow it past the the cup or if I come up you know four feet short and we still have some meat on the bone you know it's not because I wasn't locked in it was a bad read or a bad stroke so um with that said that's the thing so I knew last year because I get it because I've you know having done it because I mean I'm telling you man in uh in 2018 I guess I mean I was like in the D flight at Westboro I you know and it was a kind of a spot right now where I'm playing better than my number but you know, not like not like I'm good enough that it, that it really matters, but I certainly was in a, you know a, uh, a spot where I was a better player, and I think the guy I was playing knew I was a better player, and I just fucking folded. I mean, just <laughs> folded. And in the whole scheme of things, it didn't matter. I mean, it's just me and him. Right. But I was just so just like disappointed in myself. Just like what the fuck was that about? And I got to own it. I mean, I did it. I, he didn't do it. I did it. I fucked up. I choked. Period. 100% choke. No question about it. Drop that ball that I'm like hitting 30 yards on a dead pole in a normal situation. It's my six iron. And I'm hitting it, unfortunately, like 165. Probably should be hitting it much further, but that's what I would hit it. And, you know, it's going to you know be within probably a 30-yard window of my target, 15 on one, one side of the pin or the other. Nine out of ten times. Doesn't mean it's going to look pretty, but, you know, there's a comfort level there. And with this, it got in my head. And so once that happened, I'm kind of like, okay, you recognize it, you know it's coming, and then you just got to navigate it. And um, and Adam Long, when he was on, I think the first time he was on the podcast, he talked about it. I, th- I don't know if it was on the podcast or before, before we started recording. And I said, you know, I've talked with some guys who know you and have played with you in St. Louis, and they're thrilled for you, you know, but I, th- I, I don't think, you know, they say – your game is just really consistent. It's not like you do anything that, like, blows other people away. Like, for example, Chris Nagel, who Wellington caddied for at Shinnecock two years ago. His distance is famous uh, among, in the golf community in St. Louis. And, um, you know, Adam certainly bombs it. And he's well past me. But, uh, you know, it's not like there's anything where you go, oh, my God. You know, it's just, it's just rock solid kind of across the board. It's just rock solid. And his answer was, well, you know, sometimes during tournaments, some people handle it a little different than others, which was his way of saying some people piss themselves. <laughs> and and that happens. And it, and it happens. I think it's something that Ricky Fowler's got going on. I think it's something that Sergio Garcia had going on. 
um, before winning the Masters. I still say if Justin Rose would have hit that putt, Garcia doesn't hit his putt. I really believe that. And I and it's why if Ricky Fowler is ever going to win a major, part of me thinks he's going to have to do it coming from behind where he isn't the leader on Sunday and, and winds up folding. And I think he was a pretty big leader after day one at Belle Reve in 2018. Not that what leading after he always has one bad round it seems like and it blows him up you know and i remember when he won the honda in 17 which i was at johnny miller caught some hell for saying well you know he's playing with a lead and ricky with a lead you know and they just kept kind of shitting on him but he was saying something that a lot of people in the golf community think so the re- how do i bring you know ricky fowler back to the uh, to the in the honda classic back to the <laughs> club championship i'll same do so thing. right here it's exact same thing no question playing from the white tees at gateway <laughs> it's this that in playing against some people, you kind of know that it's in their head a little bit. And one of the guys I was playing against, um, you know, and it wasn't, it was just, I, it wasn't a case of choking. I was playing decently, just was making some shots. And he mounted a Sunday charge. And I guess it was on 16. And he, and he hit a putt. And I'm just like, I'll bet you $100 now I still win. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said it just because I wanted to get in his head. It was, and it wasn't said like, hey, motherfucker, because I just had a feeling it was going to, you know, it was going to have an impact. And maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but I did win, and we were all square after 16, and there were some shots that I'm sure he wished he had back. Uh, and, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's the element of the whole thing that you can do that. And so you want to be playing with somebody who you know is not, you know, going to fucking freak out. Um, if you, you know, say a little something here or there, but you recognize it. Now, that's playing against people who are not used to playing in competition because most people who are 15 or 20 or 30 handicaps aren't usually in a spot where they're competing. <laughs> when, I mean, the guys that I'm usually playing with are so much better than me. It's like it's like a joke, actually. Like, I'll hit a drive that in the fan page club championship, you go, oh, wow, he really hits the ball. And the guy I'm playing with, you know, at Westbrook is, oh, that was a nice four iron, you know, like <laughs> just like shitting on it, you know, and it's just, and it actually is probably a four iron for him. That's their way of talking shit. It's just like, yep, I can't do anything about it. Um, so I enjoy the hell out of it. I tip my cap to Jennings, uh, Jay Randolph Jr. for putting this thing together, having put, you know, things like this together over the years with Inside STL. I know it's a motherfucker. I know no matter what, he could execute <laughs> it perfectly, and he's going to catch hell, and that sucks. He's got he's uh, got the right persona for that, though. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But if somebody pushes him just a little too far, he will he will certainly uh, give it his opinion. Oh yeah. Um, I guess you can include a caddy. I have no idea. I mean, I just bring Carlos Spicy Wiener, and we fuck off. And I enjoy having. I just enjoy being able to bullshit with somebody. That's kind of more what uh, it's about for me. And it was going to be me and Iggy. Uh, and um, Lipschitz, Mark Ziprich, um, who I'm playing in the first round on June 7th at Gateway, with Skip Berkmeyer, who was going to be Iggy's opponent. I've played with Skip, and Skip skips in that Adam Long thing where it's just, yep, yeah. it's, it's fairway, it's green, <laughs> and it's either one or two putt. And if he's off the green, it will be a chip or a pitch to within the friendship circle. And anything else... And you're like, whoa! Is something? Is something happened? You know, my old man played against him. He fired a 68. My dad had a ton of pops and couldn't get it still, done. Still didn't. Vanquish couldn't get him. it done. Do you think Iggy, who would have been getting, I think, 23 strokes, do you think he would have won? Ah, uh, no. You don't think so? Iggy hasn't played once. I mean, he hasn't even been in the yeah, driving range a, that's, this that's year. A, that's a big. That's a big factor. That's a, and you know, Skip has, and and Skip's already in Iggy's head. 
Oh, is he really? Well, what he was. was. Joe I mean, it was just in his head that he had to play. He's like, well, I guess they don't want me to last. It's <laughs> 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 like, a personal I mean, shot. Getting I don't... Too str- the thing about Iggy is Iggy will have like five blow-up holes that yep. makes his score look really bad, but most of the time it's pars and bir- bogeys, not birdies. Bogeys. I mean, I probably played with him like 20 times last year, and uh, he's capable of hitting beautiful shots, but then, yep. yeah, he'll have those holes where he just loses it. Yeah, and he'll take like an eight, and that's why his score is usually going to be around 90, give or take. But as far as match play goes, he's, yep. you know, I mean, he's just he's optimal because his number is uh, not reflective of his ability. Um, who am I afraid of this year? Uh, I don't really know most of the names <laughs> on the list as far as their play. I think I know four. Yeah, so I can't really go through them. Uh, I lost to the defending champion last year in the uh, semifinals, uh, Guy Watson. Uh, I <laughs> lost to the champion in 20, what would it have been, 2017, the first year. Jennings Randolph Jr. lost to him in the first round. And I don't think I played Cletus. I lost in the first round to the guy who I think Cletus beat in the semifinals or the finals of 2019. So... Um, yeah, but I want—I just want to play Gateway in general. I just like—I just love that course. So to be able to play Gateway at 11:30 on a Sunday is—you know—fuck, that's just a good thing in general. That's not an easy tee time to get. So that's what we got. So I'm looking forward. It's just—it's just fun. That's what it gets to. And Gateway's a great course. Um, all right, next question. Uh, good morning, Gangster Pete. In your opinion, on Tuesday, May 19th, Uh-oh. do you see a college football season happening? In 2020, if so, would you be hesitant to go to a game this fall? I've been a season ticket holder with my dad for 22 years at Illinois State University here in central Illinois, so I'm hopeful that some sort of season will take place. Thanks. That's from Peter Bender. Uh, P.S. I'm planning on heading to Columbia in 2027 when Illinois State plays Mizzou. I'm looking forward to going to a stadium I've never been to before. That is something to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Showdown in seven years. Um, Peter Bender. uh, Gangster Pete, uh, he directed the question to you. Yeah, I think we're... I think we're going to play college football. I don't know if we're going to be allowed to be there as fans. I personally wouldn't have an issue with going. Uh, I don't think that older people and people at risk could go. I mean, that's kind of how my whole take on the whole thing is like, I think older people and people at risk should self quarantine and the rest of us kind of got to open stuff up a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, that's the thing that, uh, is it Ostermeyer, the guy that we keep? Osterholm. Osterholm. Thank you. Who's Ostermeyer? Ostermeyer's a writer. Uh, we got to figure out a way to live with it. Yeah. You know, he's been saying that since March. Um, and in March, he was the bad guy to uh, conservatives, and now he's the good guy to conservatives. <laughs> because it, just, it depends on uh, what your worldview is in the moment. But um, I agree with that. I mean, I don't I don't really know what else, you know, they're <sighs> – I, I just I don't know unless you know I mean that's where I am now. Fuck knows where I'll be in two months. Going oh my god I can't believe I said that but that's you know that's yeah where based I am on now. what you know at the time I mean yeah I mean that's that that's, seems that's, the most reasonable to me. I guess I guess the thing because I feel like now people's statements are being excused like well everybody was wrong right okay well was everybody wrong and saying it from a place of honesty or was everybody wrong and some people were saying things that were for their own self interest and not knowing their ass from a hole in the ground. <laughs> yep. Uh, with regard, even though the question was directed to you, Gangster Pete, um, I'm not as confident as you are that there will be college football. I hope so. I mean, I've, I guess I've been on the, you know, when we did the, the question, I don't know if you came in and gave a percentage on the likelihood of Major League Baseball 
taking place uh, in uh, 2020. And I know Doug said 95% that he thought it would. The Cats said 75%. I said 33%. And the Plowhawks said 5%. Did you come in with a percentage on that? No, I think there's a much higher chance of playing college football than baseball. Wow. Explain. And uh, I think, well, I think the SEC is going to play no matter what. Wow. <laughs> we don't want to mess around in the SEC, boy. <laughs> you, uh, no, I, but I just, the baseball I, thing, I, there's so many factors that seem to be unclear. Like Labor. The, well, that's the main one, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if the whole country is going to play college football, but I think, I think Mizzou will be playing. I just got. I don't know. I mean, I don't. The, the, like, okay, now it sounded like today. I sounded like today. Doug was starting to say, "Well, maybe they're not going to play baseball," and I'm kind of like, "Yeah, what what you're now seeing is what I was saying when I said 33 percent. It's not a case of going, man. I hope they don't play baseball because then President Trump won't be reelected. It's right. looking at it more from a somebody owner or player." Uh, owner or players, hat owners or players have to give, and and also I don't know how much some of the powerful players really want to play. I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying I don't know how much they really want to. That's what I'm wondering about. And I you know I don't, I mean God, I I want to see him playing you know in a major way, but Most I don't know. And and I and I have to tell you this. I, now my opinion's kind of shifted on the NHL thing. When we were talking to Doug Armstrong last week, I'm like, shit, he's definitely thinking they're going to play. <laughs> yep. And and now, based on some of the comments we've heard uh, recently, I'm not I'm not as confident. So I really don't. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, the the honest answer is I don't know. I know people are just asking for our opinions, and you know, I guess some will be, you know bizarre on social media and go you said on questions from the audience that yeah i'd like to preface everything i say by i don't know yeah i mean we don't know but my reason on the baseball thing was the labor element and because of the safety element um for some players are like yeah okay we're not going to make as much we have 90 million in the bank i don't really care to like risk this and not be around my family you know so yeah i mean let's not do this and I gotta be honest with you, if I'm in their spot, I get that. I know that my, I know that's not popular, but I get that. Um, and then on the other side, a guy who might have been making his major league debut this year after years in the minors, going you know and not having any money because of being years in the minors, not being a draft pick with guaranteed money, doing everything they can to play. Go fuck it, I don't care. I'm 24 and I don't have a family. I goddamn it, I want to play. So I get that. And, you know, the owner's saying, well, th the agreement we had on prorated salaries back in March included a clause that said this will be reevaluated in good faith if we are not playing in front of fans. I get where the owners are coming from. Don't I, And I, I don't know how I don't know. I have a question for you. Go ahead. Pose your query. So. The owners have that that clause in the contract. So, do you see any possible way where baseball comes back, and then you have some of the top players sitting out? Yes, my answer is yes. My answer, my instant, my instant answer. So that is would be yes. really disappointing, but that's kind of what how I see it right now. I could see that happening. 
So, I, but the, so then I'll play that out because I think it's a great question, a great thought process. Because I do think there, I do think it's it's got a possibility of happening if that can happen with the players' union. If right. the players' union goes okay, and, and maybe some of the the big time. And by the way, maybe some of that. Okay, and let's play this out further. I was about to say maybe some of the owners will be happy with that if a Dexter Fowler, for example, and Matt Carpenter say, you know, we're going to sit it out this year. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I would imagine Bill DeWitt probably wouldn't be too unhappy if that meant you're not going to owe us the money. Um, although I don't know if they would then sit it out if they're not going to get their money. I don't know how this would. Yeah. Then would the networks go, okay, well, we don't have the stars playing. Well, you're not going to get the TV contract that you were entitled to get. <laughs> would you have that then happen? I would imagine you would. And all these reasons are reasons why I think there's a less chance that they're going to play because there's all these factors. It so seems you're like a less chance that they're going to play. I think there's less chance they're going to play baseball than college oh, football. Oh, football. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it, got it, got it. All right. Yeah, I just, I mean, God, I, again, going back to, you know, the business decisions that, that we have, um, I mean, it's just, it's all material to the situation. There's no way around it. And, uh, you know, if there's no NHL and there's no Major League Baseball, that's a thing. That's a real thing thing meaning that's a real problem um you know i mean this this is me speaking for my own selfish uh selfish makes it sound like it's selfish it's not but my <laughs> own my own self interest but it then impacts a variety of different things and people um but i mean i don't think anybody would fault you know for going oh well yeah you probably should consider that it'd be irresponsible not to consider it and so that's why i'm watching it so closely that's why the georgia thing was so fascinating to me and I'm like, yeah, I mean, Brian Camp, wow, not necessarily somebody, you know, based on that campaign I would have been voting for, but for the love of God, I hope he's right with what he's doing in Georgia. Like, it's easy for me. The two things are so easy to compartmentalize. Do I think he's a great political candidate based on the ads he was running? Hell no. And I'm sure most people don't even know the ads I'm talking about. YouTube them. You'll, you'll think it's a parody. Um, no. But do I want him to be successful in reopening Georgia? You better ass, bet yep. your ass I do. And, it, and it's like easy for me. It's not like, well, I think he doesn't really necessarily know what the hell he's doing. So I hope he's wrong and I hope everybody in Atlanta gets COVID and I hope the Georgia economy tanks and therefore I hope other states don't reopen and therefore I hope Joe Biden wins the presidency. Holy shit. Like, it's so easy to separate those two. For me, it is. I don't know. I, I mean, it's like when I was like, for those who don't see the owner's side of this and usually i would be a player's guy but with the owners it's the clause it's not about oh i'm for the players because i'm a proletariat it's like okay i'm looking at it as a judge and i'm going okay well the situation has changed which was addressed in the agreement that they signed in march that if there is no attendance then we will negotiate in good faith they addressed it the language is there I don't know what the fuck the players union was doing there or if they were just like, OK, well, if that happens, then we're just going to dig in and we're, our take is going to be that, you know, they signed it. I was impressed and they had that clause. It, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it, and I honestly I mean, I guess it just seemed kind of obvious to me because there was talk about whether if there would be fans at that time. So how the union allow it? And then I, I, I don't know if the players who are like popping off, whether it be Snell or Harper are not aware of that. I don't. That's why I keep wanting. <laughs> Like, I get it. It's, like, cool to, like, hate on billionaires. I get it, I guess. I guess it's a cool thing. I don't know. 
I don't know. It's weird because a lot of the people who hate on the billionaires are the ones who are like, well, he's a billionaire. That's why I voted for him. So I don't fucking understand it for the life of me and the double standards. But with that all said, what is the side in the contract for the players? That's what I'm asking. I'm not asking, do you, you know, who's side? I'm, I'm trying to understand it so I have a better understanding because right now it, it, I don't even see the player's case. There is a clause in the agreement, the agreement that they are citing as we're not going to renegotiate, that says if we are not playing in front of fans, then both sides will negotiate in good faith toward a solution. So that's the scenario. I don't know. I don't. I, I really. I, I've said this now. I've said it now on the podcast, and I've said it on the radio twice. And I haven't gotten anything. And I'm not expecting people to like jump to their email and send me a link that explains it all. I just don't get it. And I just don't know if it's like, well, no, I love my players, so I'm going to hate on the owners because that's what you do. But I, I, I'm more than happy to go. Oh, well, now I see what the players are saying. Shit, what the fuck was I doing saying I understand the owners better? I just don't see it at this particular moment. So that means somebody's going to have to give, and everybody this morning on the show is like, yeah, it's got to be the owners. And I'm like, okay, but the owners are the ones with the language on their side. And usually that's the one that, and the owners are saying, so if you're the owners, you're going, okay, well, if we open up and the players don't don't give in, we're going to lose money. So we're not going to open up. And you keep hearing the damage that, that will be done to baseball. Yes, there'd be damage done to baseball, but this isn't all about a work stoppage. But the issue for baseball is there was a looming work stoppage because the CBA following the 2021 season. And this might cause all hell to break loose with regard to that and then potentially impacting 2021. Again, it's after the 2021 season. Um, all right. Who asked, the, who asked that question? Uh, that was Peter Bender. Peter Bender. Make sure you hit up Booches when you visit Columbia. Oh, there's a, oh for, the, for the 2027 That's game right. Illinois State. Uh, hey, Tim, I work as a CPA for a large national accounting firm, and I realize that there may be a huge market for a new kind of professional service. Financial statements are required to be audited for publicly traded companies in order to give the public comfort over the numbers that are contained within. To curb the mass amounts of misinformation out there on all topics, not solely coronavirus, wouldn't the public benefit massively from having fact-based articles with numbers slash charts that can be audited and traced to reliable data? Imagine if you opened up an article with numbers and you were able to trace the numbers back to legitimate data sources and or the calculations used to determine this number in the article. I was curious what your thoughts are on a service like this and how it might impact the world of fake news that we live in now. Kindly, the Eureka Urologist. Gangster Pete, you first. Well, I think anytime you're talking about data, you have to have the right data. Otherwise, it's garbage in, garbage out. So if you put the wrong data in, you get garbage out. It's useless. So... I think that having an objective service would be great if it's truly objective. Uh, here is my answer. I think that you already have this. Uh, and, uh, and so people uh, will say if it benefits their worldview, it's accurate. And if it doesn't benefit their worldview, they will say it's not accurate. And you can say, well, what about if it's sourced? And I would tell you it is sourced. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you have, I mean it's the conspiracy theories on this thing. It's off the rails. That's why I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard me do that enough. Yeah. Where I get, where I'm about to explain, I'm just going fuck. Uh, it's just, it doesn't matter. And 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 I and when I say that's why I don't know, I'm not like holding back. I'm going. I just don't have a solution for it. 
you know, I was talking with, I probably shouldn't name the person, not because it's like, oh, wow, you were doing blow at an orgy with this person. That's not it. But I just don't know if the person would want to be, somebody most of our audience listening would know, not as a, like, superstar, but you just know the name in media. And um, we were talking about this situation, and this person said, every night before I go to bed, I read the New York Times and I read the Wall Street Journal. And I go, that's actually exactly what I do. And this person probably hasn't heard me say that, that I subscribe to those and I listen to those. Um, and uh, and then I also read the Washington Post. Those are my three. And I feel like, and I could be wrong on this, however, I would bet everything I own on it, uh, that there's no way to track this with data and of course if we did the people would say it's fake data but that if we actually had a poll there'd be no way to track it that the people who say that these particular entities are biased most likely are not what i would describe as readers of said publications it's just an easy way to dismiss it because it doesn't fit said worldview but the wall street journal is not considered a liberal publication on the off chance you think it is just because it involves stringing words together with thoughts so with that said, when you read these, they are sourced. There are editorials. The whole thing, though, that the New York Times editorials are all liberal is not accurate. It's just not a, it's not a real thing. But there are editorials. But the editorials are editorials. The news is sourced. Now, I do notice things that I would say, oh, I think that's kind of like, you know, it's like sometimes I'll read Dan Caesar stuff, you know, uh, and everybody knows the rumor bill. And I'm like, no, no, you knew that. And you knew it because the rumor bill was actually like a guy who told you, but you're not giving the, the, the source. That's, that's the rumor bill. And I know that because I know the situation. So I read these things and sometimes I read them and go, oh, you kind of, you know, but it, you kind of include it like a little, like, you know, description of a situation or person. And I'm like, that didn't need to be in there. But as far as like the quotes and then the data, it's sourced, so it already exists. But then you go, well, the New York Times reporting this. Like, oh, fucking New York Times, liberal rag. It's like, oh, shit. Okay, I guess we can't do this, you know. <laughs> and but if you read it, or the Wall Street Journal, by the way, uh, I, I I don't think you'd go. But here's the thing: you got to pay to read it. I don't think too many people are going to go, you know what? I'm going to pay to read something that I know is going to disagree with my worldview. Who the fuck would do that? You know? Uh, so I understand. It's just a, it's a fucked up cycle. So I don't, I don't have a solution. And I just, that's the thing. I don't have a solution for it. And I don't know when it's going to end. It's not going to end. I think some people in like a left wing bubble are like, well, if we can just get President Trump out of the White House. I'm like, fuck, that might just be the beginning. That might just be the beginning, whenever it is, 20, 24, whatever. I don't know. That might just be the beginning because I don't think he's going to go and say, well, you know what? Joe Biden is somebody who defeated me, but we need to rally behind him as Americans and, you know, continue on this great path that, that our administration set. I just don't see him saying it. Maybe I'm off the mark on it. I just don't see him saying it. John McCain's speech in concession in 2008. People start booing. No, 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 no. You know, just don't see it happening. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I, I just, I don't know how it's going to, I don't know how it's going to come to an end. Because we're not disagreeing on opinions. We're disagreeing on facts. 
and now we're disagreeing on facts that are actually sourced pieces <laughs> of medical data. And then the situation in Georgia, which I was going, okay, this is great. Georgia opened up. Guy ran bizarre campaign ads, whatever. He's not the first one to do it. This was really bizarre. Fine. Not the only one to do it. And now it's going down in Georgia. This is great. And then they're like, well, we apologize. The data was wrong. And then, and, and so when you have the governor's spokeswoman saying this and then explaining how it was wrong, you go, shit, you know. And, and so I don't blame people at that point for going, well, what is real? Because you have the governor's office, you know, in the Georgia Public Health saying it was wrong. It's a... I just I don't have a solution. So Eureka Urologist, yes, your your idea is great, except it, in my opinion, it already exists, and it doesn't matter if it fits someone's worldview. They'll say, here, look at this data. If it doesn't, they'll say it doesn't. And again, it's not everyone, but that's what that's what you're going to uh, that's you're going to navigate. Uh, next question, uh, hey Tim, hope this email finds you well. As a sales representative. For a beverage distributor in town, I unfortunately have no control over who I do business with, no matter how irresponsible, unreliable, and considerate they may be. The responsibilities are given to me by my supervisors at work, and I do my best to accommodate. As a business owner, not of the radio station, but as a business owner, you might have had more latitude in those matters in regard to advertisers. So my question is this. Have you ever had to, quote, fire one of your sponsors because they were too hard to deal with? Obviously, I don't expect you to name names, but I imagine that over the course of the last 15 years, you found yourself dealing with demanding, unrealistic, and perhaps even dishonest accounts. Maybe this is a better question for station management, but I'm interested in what you have to say. I hope all is well. It comes from Tiger Dank. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to think about it because um, this one was one that I did read um, in advance of doing the show. Uh, and I think I made reference to that earlier. And we've certainly the, the way I would describe it with advertisers are some are more um, attentive than others because because if I say some are more picky, then it kind of has a negative connotation. I don't listen. If I were advertising, I would want to make sure things eyes were dotted and T's were crossed, and I'm getting what I paid for. And I would listen to my spots and make sure that's what I want, you know, and track the track as much as I can where I'm getting a response and where what's not working. I realize not everybody can do that as a business owner, so they might have an advertising agency, whatever the case might be. Um, so th there's one that I can think of, and this wasn't even an advertiser of ours. It had to have been, I guess it had to have been pre-2013 um, because we were at KFNS, but it was before the man or woman, so it was pre-920, and somebody had sold advertising to Ashley Madison, Ashley Madison being the website. Is that still around, Gangster Pete? I thought they had a big, yeah, they big did controversy. Like right. Uh, but Ashley Madison is or was a website that married people, mainly men, would go on and uh, have an affair. That was the, that was the goal. And, uh, and one of the salespeople came in, not a, an inside STL salesperson, but we, part of our deal, inside STL's deal with KFNS at the time, and again, this is nearly a decade ago, I think, um, was that they, you know, could use uh, our time t for, the, for the spots that they would sell. And um, that was the spot that they had sold. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not reading that. I'm not going to read that. I don't <laughs> know what else to tell you. And I, you know, I mean, if, if the cat wants to bust out a library for Ashley <laughs> Madison. He's his own man, but I don't think he's going to do that. And I don't think Doug is going to do that. So, 
you know, we're in a spot there. And I think, and I don't remember what I don't remember what happened. Maybe it just wound up being recorded spots, like they Ashley Madison themselves had produced them, and so they ran in commercial breaks during TMA. And I got motherfucked like crazy <laughs> for that because people thought it was us selling to Ashley Madison, and I personally wouldn't do that. Now I'm not, uh, you know, Ashley Madison has every right, assuming it's within the law, to operate. God bless them. You know, for me, for me personally, that is not a company that I would take money from. Now, it's, it wasn't my account anyway. It wasn't inside SDL's account anyway. But um, that's not, you know. And, and listen, we've had people, it probably still goes on, um, in St. Louis who, you know, for example, would, would not want to be on our show. Um, I find it to kind of be funny because it goes back to the thing I said at the beginning of our episode here today, these these things that if you say them enough, they become true. Joe Biden, you know, is is you know on the threshold of Alzheimer's or whatever it is. Uh, all I do is talk about porn, and all Frank Cusmano does is talk about high school basketball, and if you, they just become truths, but they're not real. Um, that people don't want to be. And it's just like, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. That's their own thing. I mean, we have a large audience, and it's a tough audience to reach, 20-something and 30-something and 40-something college-educated men. But, you know, if you don't want that audience, you know, that's that's your choice. It's your business. Totally get it. You know, it's not like people – and it's not like those people are trying to get us shut down. So I respect that, even though it's – obviously it's, 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 I guess, quote-unquote, going against me or going against our show. They have the right to do that, 100%. And it's totally cool. And, you know, it's one thing if they're, like, trying to get us taken off the air. Uh, that's a different deal. But just by saying, yeah, we're not comfortable advertising on that show. Okay, I disagree with it. But I understand it. And I support it, actually. Uh, I think, it's you know, every business owner has to do what he or she or every, you know, ad buyer has to do what he or she thinks is is best for what they want to represent. And that's totally cool with me. So in that same line... You know, here I am as a person. Now, again, I wasn't the person selling the ad, but I just, yeah, I'm not comfortable doing that. I don't even know I was married at the time, but I just, it just wasn't something that, you know, I don't know. You know, I mean, and I, you know, what I, 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 you know, if Brazzers wanted to advertise, I'd do Brazzers shit all day long. I'd, I'd do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> and I know people be like freaked out by it, but I'm like, yeah, it's porn. I subscribe to it. I enjoy it. You know, I don't know. I don't really think there's anything wrong with it, but I also recognize plenty of people do. And then some people might be like, who fucking cares? Just do the Ashley Madison spot. I think Stern used to do Ashley Madison spots. I think. They used to at least have, like, contests, and Ashley Madison would be the one who would put up, like, the five grand or something like that. A check from Ashley (laughs) Madison. You know, if you want to have an affair, go to AshleyMadison.com. But, yeah, for me, that just wasn't something. And I still got, like I said, I still got my ass lit up about it. Uh, and then there was the famous incident. This is a Swope's pick wait, waiting to happen. I wonder if he'd get Mike Matheny to talk about it, in which Matheny is actually an employee of Inside STL. And to think that this was going on is really – this is one of the more surreal elements of the uh, – what do we uh, – I guess Inside STL be 15 years old on August 15th, 2020, um, which is also – Happy birthday, there. Mom. <laughs> That's your mom's birthday. Yeah. Is it really um, that uh, that more than a third of my life this thing has existed? But uh, that um, Matheny did a show for Inside STL on KFNS. I think it was once a week. Him and John Mabry and Mike Claiborne, if I'm not mistaken, in 2011, as a matter of fact. 
And Matheny and I would be on the phone like semi-regularly. And it's just weird. To th- the whole thing just is kind of weird to think about. But it, but it did happen. And, and Mike and I have a great relationship. We still exchange emails here and there. I mean, I've been critical of his managerial st- strategy, but it, you know, think think very highly of him as a guy. I know plenty of media people had run-ins with him. I didn't. Uh, and I think he, even though thinks I'm a, an absolute pervert, uh, I think he I think he respects at least some element of me. And uh, and and so we were having these conversations going into him doing the show. And he goes, now listen, he goes, I know you guys talk about whatever you talk about on your show in the morning. <laughs> now, this is before he was the Cardinal manager, and he was just an ex-catcher at this time. Uh, and obviously before being the Royals manager. Um, but he goes, I really don't want to ever have to do spots for that kind of stuff. He goes, you do what you do, and that's fine with me. But I don't. I go, Mike, it'll never happen. It just won't happen. You know, I mean, I, you know, I would never. I just wouldn't do it. And he was unco- he was uncomfortable even with some spots that I think people would be like, wow, really? That, but hey, man, that's, again, it's his thing. And if we agree to it, the terms on the front end, then those are the terms, you know, and that's cool. So whether I and I, that's fine, you know, it could be anybody. You could have a situation where somebody is as big of a godless heathen as me, but go, I had a bad experience with this business, and therefore I I don't want them in my show. And if we agree to it on the front end, then that's the deal. Um, you know, I remember I've had hosts who were working under the inside STL umbrella and people are like, yeah, I will not allow my spots to be in that show. I'm like, all right, you said so up front. We got the, we got our parameters set. And so Matheny and Mabry are doing their show. God, I wish I still had this text. I should have <laughs> screenshot it. And a fucking commercial runs for Sassy Cassie, who sat <laughs> at our dais at Hot Shots in South County. That she was going to be stripping <laughs> wherever the hell it was, penthouse, PTs, I don't know what it was. And they had that little flute for whatever reason that they, you know, and, and why they chose the little flute to play for the, the little person stripper, I don't know. But whoever came up with it, I would like to hire for production because it was brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You wouldn't think, like, how do we pop the fact that we have a little person stripper and somebody goes, a little flute sound. Perfect. <laughs> it, but it worked. It worked. Unfortunately, the spot played during Matheny's show. Once again, it was not an advertiser of ours, which I'm sure nobody believes, but it wasn't. It was a KFNS account. And so help me, Matheny, as opposed to getting on the phone with me, so maybe this, maybe this is a sign of things to come with communication issues, he, he sharp shot me with a text, and I mean he laid into me <laughs> about it. And I'm going, I'm just standing in my office downtown at 19th and Locust looking at my phone going, the fuck just happened? This isn't even our advertiser. <laughs> and Mike Matheny just, I mean, he just blew me up. And I, and I think it was the non-gay uh, Ibon member, Prod Joe's wingman, who, uh, who said, yeah, I'm sorry. It was in there. He goes, I didn't run it. It was just in the, it was in the, it's called traffic. The traffic had the spot running. And then the person who did the traffic called and apologized profusely. And I think, I don't know if Matheny, I think Matheny like calmed down a couple hours later and texted me and said, I understand what happened. I'm sorry I got as upset as I did. Um, but holy shit, was he pissed <laughs> off. Because he felt like, oh man, we had an agreement and you, you know, you screwed me over. And, 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 if, and if I would have done that, he would be exactly right. The thing was that it was, it ran out of the wrong time slot and it wasn't one of our advertisers and all of that. But listen, man, I get it. Um, you know, I guess this person here, Tiger Dank, is saying, um, 
you know, that he's running into some irresponsible, unreliable, inc- inconsiderate business owners, a, a beverage distributor. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would really say I've had people that I've dealt with. Um, th- I will, I'll say this, I suppose, which would kind of be along these lines. There are advertisers in St. Louis who, in, in our world, are known as CIA. Gangster Pete, do you know what CIA stands for? I think there's a 50% chance you do. Uh, Central Intelligence Agency. In most cases, it would. But in this particular context, it means cash in advance because they are infamous <laughs> for not paying their bills. Right. Uh, so it's like, oh, yeah, well, let's do this deal. And it's like, oh, who'd you get the deal with? And then the, the salesperson comes back and, oh, fuck. Did you get cash in advance? And they go, no, I was just excited. I go, yeah, you got to get it's a CIA, <laughs> baby. It's a CIA because this motherfucker isn't going to pay. And, and uh, here's the other thing. In 15 years of this, now granted inside STL, you know, while we own this show and the Cat Chat and TMA's content, we, you know, we license it to uh, to Markel Entertainment to sell it. Um, so we haven't been in the sales game for a few years. Um, but we were for, you know, I guess 2005 through 2000, half of 2016. And we have only had to go to court with two advertisers, uh, which is really kind of, I think, saying something. Um, you know, the, the one of them, producer Joe is the salesperson. Uh, this business is still up and running. It's a restaurant slash bar. I'm, you can email me. I'm not going to say the name. Um, I guess I really could and should actually. It's like we went to court. It's probably public record. Um, but you know, they owed money and don't know what the guy's deal was. He signed a contract and Joe called and said, Hey, you know, it's been, you know, whatever, 120 days, 90 days, whatever it is. And the guy goes, sue me. I don't care. <laughs> like, okay, you know, fair enough. Sounds good. <laughs> so we'll do it. And he walks into the courtroom on the day of the trial, and he's like, I'm going to start yelling at us. Like, I'm going to counter sue you. And it's like, I mean, we ain't scared. We're, we're in court. You're the one that's fucked. We have a signed contract. <laughs> we know we fulfilled our obligations. You're fucked. And he continued the tough and cool thing on the stand under during cross-examination. And then the judge, and this is in the city, and the judge goes, if you have one more outburst like that, sir, I'm going to hold you in contempt of court. <laughs> and it was just great. I mean, I'm sitting there, and I got a soft cow. It's like it's so great <laughs> when these guys who, like, you know, it's a bar owner, restaurant owner, tough and cool guy. You know, you got motherfuckers who are kissing their rings. You know, they got, we're all equal here, and you were a tough guy. And you said to sue. So we did. And now look what happened. And guess what? He wanted to having to pay and having to pay our attorney's fees. So sweet. You were tough. And you never countersued, by the way. And it's been like a shit. It's been like 12 years. Sup, tough so, guy. Yeah. I mean, it's just like. And then we had another one who's <laughs> infamous for being a total fraud. You know, then hopefully here's this uh, that we sued and won and he didn't pay. So it's just, you know. You, you know what you're getting into. I'm sure, like, on this one, people could probably email me and guess, and they would know. And you just know. But then you know not to do business with them. It's like the scene in a Bronx tale where uh, Kolodzinov's bitching to Chaz Palminteri about the guy owing him $20, $25, and he's chasing around for it. And then Chaz Palminteri says, do you like this guy? Do you want to continue to be friends with him? Do you want to do business with him again? No, he's a fucking asshole. Okay, for $20, now he's out of your life. You never have to deal with him. Ah, oh, it's not bad perspective. So, yeah, so in that sense, I've dealt with it. But it's like knowing that, you know, I wouldn't do a spot for something 
where I knowingly, like the one I always use as an example is Body Solutions. I thought that was strange back in the day. I mean, you're going back, Pete, you were possibly like in, still at Mizzou at the time when that was really prevalent. It was late 90s, early 2000s. I really hadn't started doing radio yet, but I remember it. I remember just like hearing the spots and going, okay, a lot of these people are overweight and you're just like taking a drink and you're losing weight, <laughs> but you're not able to eat after seven o'clock i mean it seems like that might be the bigger reason not to drink (laughs) you know i mean fuck i don't know i'm 24 so maybe i'm off the mark on this but it seems like that might be the deal and then eventually there was something there with that so (laughs) i I never stop eating yeah the solution is to stop eating and manage calorie intake (laughs) i mean that's kind of a abc strategy but whatever i so i i just wouldn't want to have it where people like hey man you know you were endorsing this particular product and then you found out that it was shitty and you kept endorsing it. I won't do it. I, I just won't do it. I don't think anybody that, you know, that uh, that I know would be like, yeah, I'll knowingly vouch for something that is a fraud. You know, uh, I just I I just can't imagine that circumstance. But I, I just, you know, from my standpoint, with regard to owners and dealing with people who are unethical, I haven't dealt with it. But at the same time, I'm sure plenty of people do, and then you just got to navigate it. You know, I mean, you're a beverage distributor. You're going to run into all kinds. Uh, but with advertising, I mean, we've been, like I said, it, when you're handling as many advertisers as we've handled and you've only had to go to litigation twice, uh, you know, over that number of years, that isn't actually too bad for my money. Um, all right, I think that's going to wrap it up here. Uh, Gangster Pete, always enjoy talking it over with you. What do we go, an hour and a half, ballpark? Uh, yeah, hour, hour 35. Hour and a half, hour 35. Uh, questions are always welcome. Gangster Pete and I were talking about it before we started. I said, my God, we're getting so many questions now um, that I can't even get through them. So I still have uh, some left over that I was not able to get to uh, for this edition of questions from the audience. Uh, you're welcome to email me anytime. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. If you do not want your identity to be read, we won't. Just like we had Juan Acevedo, for example. Numbed uh, Tiger Dank. Yeah, the, uh, he, uh, he, was, he was not identified. So you can email in any topic, a story. I welcome those opinions just without a question. Fire away. It's a free-for-all. And I said it at the beginning of this thing, and I want to revisit it, be as is uh it's like two life crew as nasty as i want as we want to be fire away you know I and mean, be as grotesque as perverse i mean it's it truly is a free-for-all we can't do this on the radio but we can here so or to pair motherfuck me light me up i mean <laughs> have at it i mean maybe we can discuss it maybe i'll be like yeah got a great point um T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Thank you to James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And thank you to Design Air Heating and Cooling online at DesignAirService.com for your support of the Tim McKernan Show. Support our sponsors, please. Subscribe to the podcast. Give the podcast a positive review, Gangster Pete, and I certainly appreciate it. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. 
New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.